0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this uh, special episode of the Sports Break Podcast. My name is Jackson King.
1: And I'm Kyle Grondon.
0: And in this week's episode, we'll be going over uh, some of the big college football games that are out uh, with this being week one. Uh, Look back at some of the, the games that happened during week zero and really, I think, dive into the tenure that is Scott Frost in Nebraska.
1: Yeah, perfect. And once again, this is the Sports Break podcast where, you know, it's more of your casual conversation. No, you know, not trying to push anyone's buttons, hot takes, anything like that. Just more, you know, kind of shooting the shit, honestly. (laughs) So
0: obviously this week is a very big week for college football. It's after that. I'd call it a stinker week last week in terms of week zero is always very boring in terms of actual matchups.
1: You didn't watch uh, San Jose State, Southern Utah?
0: I did not. In fact, <laughs> I did not. I What game did I watch? I didn't watch the Nebraska game either, just because I think of the timing. Uh, or, oh, they don't even list week one here. That's weird. Uh, but anyway, so this week is really exciting because there are, uh, you know, every top 25 team is obviously playing, and there are four matchups between top 25 teams. So this is really the exciting, like get your popcorn ready. This is going to be fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of competitive games coming up.
0: Yeah. So let's go through each of the top 25 versus matchups, and then we'll go through some of our other big games. Uh, let's start with the 11 o'clock game, which is Penn State at Wisconsin. Uh, two of those like tier two big 12 or big 10 teams fighting each other. Uh I don't remember if Wisconsin had a down year last year. I know Big, uh, Penn State did, but, uh, you know, these are two programs looking to kind of regain themselves back into that conversation for playoff-caliber teams. I mean, I think Wisconsin's going to have a really good uh, year this year, so I honestly am surprised they're not even favored more in this matchup.
1: Yeah, and they're at home, which should present a, you know, home-field advantage for them. I think they're going to be a good team. I think we finally see, you know, the hype behind Graham Mertz as the, the recruit will start to pay out as, like, we start to see who Graham Mertz really is. Uh, I think this is a team that's going to be able to run the ball well. I think, like I say, with Mertz, uh, Danny Davis, too, I think this team that's going to be able to throw the ball well, it's a team, like, they always run the ball well. So that's something I'm definitely not worried about. And it's a team that always plays good defense. And I think the biggest thing that comes out of this game is, can Sean Clifford take care of the ball in the red zone? That's been his biggest... Crutch basically his whole college career, which feels like it's lasted about eight years now. Sean Clifford turns the ball over in the red zone a lot and it hurts Penn State. I think Penn State still has a little more talent than Wisconsin. It still recruits a little bit better, and I think that they have real dudes, especially in the backfield. But they can't go sixty yards and then turn the ball over at the five yard line. That should, you're going to lose that every time, especially on the road. Uh, that's going to be the interesting thing for me to watch if Sean Clifford has actually figured stuff out. I'm not as convinced on it, which is why I give the edge to Wisconsin.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I've always thought that uh, Mertz is one of those guys who's always been underrated, even though, again, he was a pretty decent prospect. Wisconsin is always one of those teams that plays really well to start the season. Paul Christ, I think, is one of the best coaches in that aspect. Um, even though I think Franklin will have a rebound year this year with Penn State, and I think will prove why he's still a really good coach, I don't think it starts immediately. I think, you know, Wisconsin is one of those teams that's just very tough to play against early. Like we see it every year where they're very, even if they're not a great team, they they're really tough to play against week one ish. Uh, Yeah. I think, I think it'll be a close game to start off, but then I think Wisconsin will just wear down Penn state overall and win that game.
1: I could see Wisconsin kind of dominating, but the score is closer. Wisconsin is not a team that typically blows people out just because the style they play. They play at a really slow pace uh, compared to other good teams. They don't throw the ball a lot. So I could see them kind of wear Penn State down, like you said. And then it looks like, like, if you looked at the stats and they're like, oh, they had 280 yards rushing, they dominated. But then they win by like 20, 28 to 24 or something like that. I could see something like that happening. And Wisconsin just kind of pulling it out because they're a better team. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, but I still think Penn state is perfectly capable of going into Wisconsin and winning. Like I give the edge to Wisconsin, but you know, there's still a ton of guys on Penn state, especially in that backfield that are going to be able to run the ball, make things happen. They, they have some questions on defense, but overall, no, I'm not doubting this Nittany Lions team. They have a good coach. They have good talent development, and they have good players too. So I think that they can easily win this game.
0: Who's the, like, X factor in this? Who's the player for Penn State or the player for Wisconsin who's going to be the difference maker in the game?
1: Uh, I mean, honestly, I still think it's Clifford. I think that, uh, you know, Sean Clifford has to be able to take care of the ball. Sean Clifford has – he has so many playmakers at his disposal. Penn State's actually sneakily good at recruiting playmakers, at wide receiver running back. Uh, He has so many playmakers at his disposal – And he just has to make sure he gets the ball to them and does things well. If he has like a Jack Cohn kind of thing, who's, you know, former Wisconsin guy now at Notre Notre Dame, if he has like those sort of numbers where he's just like, you know, it may be like six, seven yards per pass attempt, but he's at like a 60, 65% completion percentage, not a ton of turnovers, then I think Penn State can win this game. I think it all comes down to Clifford taking care of the ball and making the right choices.
0: Yeah, uh, I'll go with that Wisconsin offensive line. You know, one of Mertz's big criticisms for me is his, uh, you know, how long it takes him to find the open guy. If he can, if that offensive line is as good as they've been over the last couple of years, I think it, they'll easily move the ball down the field.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be very close, that's for sure. But I think, I I do think Wisconsin wins this game. Uh, I guess if I gave a prediction, it'd be something like 31-21. But I do think that they're the better team right now and they win it.
0: I think yeah, I, I'll agree with you in that I think the the score will be closer than the game actually is. It's a five and a half point line. I'll give Wisconsin the 30 to 23 win. Yeah. With right. with Penn State probably scoring a late touchdown that people forget about. Yeah. Okay, then we've got uh two games at 230. Uh I guess let's stick to the big 10 theme. First, we've got Indiana at Iowa, man. There's a lot of good big 10 games this week, first week. Uh, but obviously this one, a kind of a, a team of two different like styles in terms of how Indiana and Iowa play.
1: Yeah. I mean, Indiana has done a really good job of entire, under Tom Allen. They obviously had a great year last year uh, that has everyone really excited about this team. And they're ranked really high because of it. And then Iowa is kind of Iowa. You know, they have a big offensive line, big defensive line. uh, Another team with really good backfield. They have a really good running back that I can't put a name to right now because I keep forgetting. Of course, Um, they're tied into you at this point. (laughs) But, you know, it's the same sort of thing where it's like they have a quarterback who at best is average. And is he going to be able to step into this game and make enough throws? Iowa should be able to run all over Indiana, I think. And I think that's the big thing. But when it comes to Indiana... You know, if your quarterback's average, they're going to take an advantage because they get after what they did last year was get after the quarterback a ton, create a ton of turnovers and turn those turnovers into points. Uh, if they can do that in the end Iowa, then they're going to win this game because it all comes down to if they can make create turnovers again this season, because that was a huge part of their success last year and kind of why, you know. I think Indiana is a popular team right now, but I think people who are you know, kind of the naysayers on what Indiana is this season are pointing to the turnover luck they had last season and that regressing. So if they can create turnovers in this game, I give them a chance to win, but I don't, if Iowa wins the turnover battle, I don't see Indiana winning this game. Well, again, it's that thing of like, because did, I don't
0: remember, did they face last year, Indiana and Iowa?
1: I don't believe so.
0: Yeah, but, you know, Indiana, you know, obviously was the flashy team last year, and you talk about the interceptions, but obviously a big part of that is, uh, I'm just going to pronounce it Michael Penix, because I don't know how else you're supposed to pronounce it.
1: I think it's Penix.
0: Penix, okay. Yeah. That's that, I mean, obviously, I don't like, that sounds too much like a porn form of male anatomy, but, um, you know, he is... A very good quarterback. He's probably one of my favorite, like, sleeper picks to win the Heisman this year. Uh, this is going to be a huge uh, test for him against a very good Iowa D line. I don't know. There's something about this Indiana team that I think starts the season off strong, even if they end up not doing well over the course. I think there's something about how this Indiana team and Tom Allen has built it that's going to do well at least in week one, maybe even until like week four, week
1: five. Yeah, I mean, they're riding high off of last season, so I can see the momentum carrying. Um, Like I said, I think a lot of it comes down to can they create those same amount of turnovers? I think it's just going to be a huge part of their narrative this season is if they can't do that, can they keep this Tom Allen magic going? And then as it comes to Penix, he's almost like. I feel like he's Adrian Martinez before we figured out Adrian Martinez. He is super exciting when the ball is in his, in his hands. He makes some amazing plays, whether it's with his legs or with his arms. But he also has balls that look terrible, too. And he has to eliminate those terrible throws, I think. And he has to, you know, he was another part where not only I think he he's in-
0: I think he's a lot better, though, than Adrian Martinez. I think his last year was better than any season for Adrian Martinez.
1: But the thing was, too, is that it was also a small sample size because not only was it the COVID season with less games, but he was also hurt during the season, too, at one point. So, like, it's a much smaller sample size that we're working with with him. I think he's really exciting with the ball in his hands, but he also has to make better throws because part of the narrative with Indiana, like I said, was the turnovers created. But the other part of it, too, was they were also were very lucky with the turnovers that they gave away. They gave away very well turnovers based on their expected turnover rate. And a lot of that too was bath throws that he made that weren't intercepted. So he has to be smarter with the ball. And, you know, obviously the highs of Michael Penix are obviously very high. He has to make sure he cuts out any of the extra stuff. So looking at
0: some of these like players who I think are going to be key difference makers, I'm going to give it to Micah McFadden, the Iowa linebacker, uh, just because I think that battle between the Indian offense and Iowa defense is going to be the difference maker in who wins the game. And I think McFadden is one of those, like, look for him in the draft as like a top 50 player. He could be really good at the NFL level. And I think he's really good on that Iowa defense.
1: Yeah. He's a terrific player. I'm also looking at, uh, what's his name here? Uh, Laporta, the tight end too. He's another guy who they lost their number one receiver. So, uh, He's going to was their number one receiver. Uh, Smith marset went to Minnesota, so the Vikings. So Laporta's got to step up and make some catches. Obviously, I mentioned the running back, which was Goodson. Goodson's a very good running back. Those two guys have really got to make the plays and make it easier on uh, Sam Petrus, their starting quarterback. So those are the big guys on offense. And then, I mean, I still think it is Penix on on offense for uh, Indiana because he is. Their playmaker. He is the guy that makes things happen for that offense. And we have to get good Michael Penix. We can't have the Michael Penix who was at Maryland, who was six for 19 or anything like that. You got to have the good Michael Penix constantly to win this game. So, Iowa right now,
0: from a betting perspective, is uh, favored by three points. I'm going to give it to Indiana, but it's going to be close. I'll say. 24-20 Indiana.
1: Um I'll go 28-14 Iowa. I think they're gonna handle this game just fine. Wow. I think they're I think they're actually a pretty good team. And I, I don't I'm not buying into the Indiana hype just yet. I think Iowa Iowa looks a lot better to me still. And mm-hmm. I, I, that's just how I feel. I think Iowa can be a sneaky top 10 team that leaps up into that area, especially with just the defense, the running game, all that kind of stuff. But I don't see that from Indiana this season again. I think that lightning is not going to hit again.
0: Speaking of which, of uh, teams that should dominate their week one matchup, uh, at the same time as our uh, Iowa-Indiana matchup, we've got Alabama facing Miami at the uh, uh, Georgia Dome. Uh, Chick-fil-A kickoff game. I feel like we get this game like every couple of years, maybe even every year, where it's like Alabama goes into a matchup. It's against another good team and then they beat them by 20 or more points. And yeah, and
1: that'll probably happen again.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, you know, we, we joke about Alabama a lot of just reload, you know, get get 10 or more first-round picks and then just reloading them again. But, you know, they're just as talented as we did as they were last year. I think we saw in some of those later games some of the players who are going to fill the roles of, like, Devontae Smith, Najee Harris – uh some of those off the the big question i think for alabama is offensive line just because they they lost a couple of really good players to the draft but knowing alabama they have guys just behind them they're going to fill in that role and be just as good if not
1: better yeah i mean they they have five stars on the line they have bryce young obviously a quarterback who's a five star john Mechie obviously showed some stuff last year um Slate Bolden's a guy who showed some stuff last year. Freshman, actually, who I think to watch, too, is Aguille a. Hall. He's another really talented guy coming into that program. I don't know if how many looks he's going to get early, um, but he is a really talented player. And then you're looking at the Miami side. While there are questions about the cohesion for Alabama this season to start the year and maybe getting them week ones the best way to have it happen, Miami doesn't have Gregory Russo or Jalen Phillips this season. Those are two guys that are now gone. Um, And I I think, well, Gregory Russo didn't play last season, but Jalen Phillips has gone. He was terrific last year, Um, you know. And so can you even take advantage of that Alabama offensive line being new when you're bringing in two new defensive ends? I think that's a big question. I think Manny Diaz's defense is going to be good, but I don't know if it's going to – this Miami team seems like it has a ceiling. Where I don't feel like Clemson or North Carolina in the ACC have a ceiling. I don't know if this team is ever going to get better than like maybe a top 10 team at best. And there's just too much of a gap between Alabama and them right now to me for me. So I do think Alabama is a lot better and they should win this one easily. So
0: here's the big question I think for this game, because again, I think both of you agree, both you and I agree that Alabama should easily win this game. De'Ara King comes into this matchup with a lot of experience and, and as well, a lot of experience against really good talented teams, both from his tenure at Houston and his one year at Miami. One of the things that Alabama, I don't want to say struggles with, but compared to their big blowouts in games like USC a couple years ago, Florida State uh, during the final year of Jimbo's tenure, is when ex- they have to face experienced quarterbacks first week. Those are the games that are a lot closer. Is, does the Eric uh, King's experience, does that give them enough
1: of an advantage to make this close? Because I'm I not it, sure it does. I think it could. The question for me is how healthy of a Derrick King are we getting? He tore his ACL in, the, ACL in the bowl game last season. They say he's 100%, but, I mean, for as much as Derrick King likes to run and move and cut and do all these different things, I mean, he kind of is that Lamar Jackson light, the way he plays, What kind of Derek King, I think, is the question is that we're, what kind of Derek King are we getting is the question that I have, because if it's not 100% Derek King, Alabama's going to win this one by 30. Um, If we actually have 100% Derek King, I mean, yeah, I mean, we've seen good quarterbacks play Alabama defenses and do a really good job, and this is a young Alabama defense compared to what it was last season, so I think he's fully capable of going into that and potentially winning, or I don't know winning that game, but at least making it a game, making it interesting, and having us tune in in the fourth quarter. But if he can't move like he typically does, then, I mean, I don't think there's any shot, no matter how much his experience helps.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the one thing I'll say is, I think with how Alabama plays week one, I think the Miami defense will, at the very least, keep them slower than they would in normal years. And I think also part of that is the, you know, the having still very young team, and still a little inexperienced, but yeah, I mean, if you're looking at this matchup, I think, you know, key factors, obviously Derek Williams, uh, I'm going to go with Mechie for Alabama, just because he's probably the most experienced offensive player, considering what he did in the, uh in the national championship and in, in the end of the season, but uh definitely give the advantage over to the Crimson Tide.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that, um Miami has some interesting players that can make some differences um but is it going to be enough I don't know if it is going to be enough and honestly I'm not going to bet it's going to be enough you know they have you know a good quarterback when healthy they have Cameron Harris who's a good running back uh they got a couple wide receivers that they can use too but it, I don't just don't think it's enough fire, firepower I got Alabama winning this one 38 13 I think it's going to be a pretty straightforward game.
0: Okay, so so the line is 19 and a half, which is a lot. You have it 38-13? Yes. I think I that line is a lot to me. And from a strictly betting perspective, I don't know if that line is maybe too out of my reach. I'm going to go 31-17, but like a late touchdown by Miami. So the score is a lot closer than the actual game was. I will say with that over and under of 61 and a half, I would definitely bet the under. I think this game is not going to be that high scoring.
1: Yeah. I don't think I'm betting this game at all. Uh, Let me look at my bets. Um, uh, That's probably where I'd go is the over under. I don't know if I would touch the the spread on this one. I think Alabama is going to cover the spread, but at the same time, like, with week one, it's so hard to tell with some of these teams, and I think Alabama is this team that it's like, I see Alabama by week eight being dominant, but I'm not sure if they're ready to just dominate week one with everybody being new, basically. An hour
0: later, down in uh, the heart of Texas, we've got, I'd say, an unusual uh, top 25 matchup between uh, the Longhorns and Louisiana Lafayette. The line right now is Texas by eight. I think that's way too high. I think people are not giving Louisiana Lafayette enough uh, credit for what they did last year.
1: Yeah, I mean this was a really good team. They, they competed really hard. They, you know, almost won the Sun Belt and they beat Iowa State too, which is a better team than Texas last year. Now whether they can go into another Big Twelve school and do that again, I don't know about. Uh, you know, part of it probably was, like, kind of the fool me once thing and, you know, can't fool me again. But didn't uh, they
0: almost beat uh, Oklahoma last year,
1: too? I don't know. Did they? I thought I they did. Remember.
0: Just keep going while I look it up.
1: But, yeah. So, either way, you know, I do think Texas is more talented by a substantial margin. But, obviously, you know, uh, I think it's Billy Napier's the coach. Billy Napier has a well-run program there at Louisiana they continue to do things well and they bring back a ton of people from that really good team last year. So, you know, this does kind of feel like a toss up to me, but at the same time, I could also see Texas kind of imposing its will and Bijan Robinson having like a 160 yard game.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think here's my thought process on this. First of all, Texas in the past, and granted, that was with a different coaching staff and with a different group of players Texas has always underperformed during the first couple of weeks of the season, especially in week one where they lose. I remember they got lost to Maryland. They lost, I think, two weeks, two years in a row to BYU in the week in the first week. Uh, Texas, for some reason, has always underperformed in week one and lost either lost a game they shouldn't have or had a much closer game than they ever should have. Now, again, this is a different team. Sarkeesian coming in. I just think this this has all the the avenues of a trap game where Texas is Texas they have a quarter a new quarterback new coach I would not be surprised at all in fact I think I'm leaning towards and maybe this is just the aggie me I think I'm leaning towards Lafayette will upset them it will be close and it will be back and forth throughout the game but I just think that Texas will not play well to start the season I think they'll be a lot better team by like week 8 but I think people are not giving enough credit to this Lafayette team and what they have at overall.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing is that Texas is just going to be bigger. They're going to be bigger on the offensive and defensive line. And they're also starting a redshirt freshman quarterback um, who's basically making his first college football start against a right team and is the local kid. So I don't think they're going to put too much pressure on him. I think this is a game where they say, hey, we're bigger, stronger, and better than you. We're going to play bigger and stronger. And Bashan Robinson's going to get the ball 30 times a game uh, this game. He's going to get more than 30 carries this game, potentially, if things go well. You know, they're just going to feed him the ball constantly and let him dominate this game, and they're going to impose their will because, you know, I like guys like Levi Lewis, a quarterback for Louisiana. I like some of their skill guys, but they just don't have the size of defensive tackle and offensive line to really battle Texas in the trenches. They want to speed this game up and play on the outside. And I just don't know if Texas is going to allow that after watching what they did to Iowa State last year. Okay, so uh, I, I do think
0: – I can you look up his name? Because I can't remember off the top of my head. But that redshirt freshman quarterback is going to be, in my opinion, the difference maker. Hudson if he Card. Played... Sorry, say it again.
1: Hudson Card. Hudson That's Card.
0: I think if Card uh, – plays well i think texas can get away with a win probably even an easy win i think if card doesn't play well i think that texas struggles and probably loses
1: yeah i mean if he turns the ball over a few times then this is obviously anyone's ball game but i just don't know if sark's going to put him in the position to allow him to do that that's my thing like i don't know if he's going to allow him to turn the ball over three times a game. like if he even turns the ball over once i see him just kind of packing it in and saying robinson's winning it but, you know, I do think he may have, if this game's close, he's going to have to make a couple throws. And so, yeah, I mean, that's the part where he's a difference maker, where if he can make those throws, Texas should win. But it'll be interesting to see what he, how much they really uncork this offense for him. I know they say, I think the term that they're using is like all gas, no breaks. If they're going to play this all gas, no break style, how much are they actually going to let Hudson Carr do his thing? Or are they just going to say Robinson's the best player on the field constantly? Robinson's going to win this game.
0: So uh, the line again is Texas by eight over and under 58. Uh, I'm going to make it, I'm going to say it's close. I'm going to say Texas 31, Lafayette 28. I think it comes down to a field goal. Uh,
1: Texas 34. Louisiana 20. Okay. Yeah.
0: A little low scoring. Okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just think – I don't know. I just can't see them doing this again. <laughs> like, it really feels like, you know, they, they got Iowa State. I just don't think they, they can – Although I keep thinking, like, I think about this about Texas every year. It's like, there's no way this team should win less than, like, eight games. They have so many four- and five-star kids. There's so much talent on this team. And then they go and win, like, seven games. And then I'm like, well, that was dumb. But then I keep thinking, like, there's no way this team should win, like, less than eight games this season. So I just don't think that they lose this game with the amount of talent they have.
0: Again, I think this team will still probably win eight games. I just think that Lafayette is not a team that, should they they need to sleep on and i think it's still really good this could be like houston a couple of years ago where they like came out of the fire and beat two ranked teams in a row yeah yeah they, i mean don't get me wrong i I think except this seems
1: actually ranked so
0: okay but like still i think that people <laughs> are still discounting them i think you know considering them and coastal carolina i still think they should both be a little higher but we'll see
1: yeah i mean the thing is though is that like eight I don't know because typically you give three points for a home field advantage. That's standard betting stuff. So true. They're saying that Texas is what five points better. I would say that's probably right. I don't know. No, it's
0: tough. It's tough. So. It's
1: also not like, it's
0: like a huge home home field advantage.
1: Yeah, no, I get it. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, how engaged that crowd is and how much that uh, affects the game. True. Uh, finally, we've got our
0: I think our final close game of the weekend Though There are some other ones that I think Will be interesting uh, Georgia and Clemson meeting in uh, North Carolina for the I guess they call it the Dukes-Mayo Classic But it's the it's a top five matchup Between number five Georgia and number three Clemson
1: The Dukes-Mayo Classic? That's, that's the what sponsor it's,
0: of it? I guess that's what it's, it's like The Chick-fil-A Classic is what the uh, Alabama game is called I guess Dukes-Mayo oh, is that big? I've never All right, well, okay. Um, I'd love your thoughts on this. Uh this is either going to be a game that goes down to the wire or Clemson winning by 30 points.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know how much effect this actually has on these two teams for the rest of the season. Cause I think if either the team lost, they can still run the table. I mean even if Clemson loses, I think they still run the table and probably make the playoff. Oh, yeah. I think Georgia can still lose this game and make the playoff too. So I don't know how much effect this has on like the grand scheme of things. I guess the one thing would be like for the average college football fan, if Georgia loses this game and like doesn't look like they're competitive, is this another thing where it's like, oh, same old Georgia. They want to be in the conversation but can't be there. Like, is that the conversation we'd have at the end of this? Uh because I think it could turn into that. I, I'm, I'm kind of concerned about Georgia, honestly. They don't have a receiver. George Pinkins is out. Um, Arik Gilbert, I don't think, is playing in this game. And so they don't really have receivers at their disposal. And with how good Clemson's defense, I think, is going to be with, you know, they had Brian Brissy and Miles Murphy, two freshmen, basically playing on the defensive line last year who were big-time recruits. And they played a lot of games as freshmen. They're basically coming in now as sophomores, experience. I think this defensive line is going to be nasty. I don't know how much Georgia's going to be able to run the ball on them, and if they don't have a receiver to go to, I don't know how much success they're going to have against Clemson. So, I do think Clemson's a much better team, and I could see them. I can see them honestly winning this game pretty easily.
0: I think it all comes down to JT Daniels, and I think you part of you mentioned that with the wide receiver, where it's like. If JT Daniels plays as he, well as he played during this in stretch of last year, I think that Georgia should be competitive. You know, Clemson's kind of in that same spot as Alabama where even if the, the fact that they've lost so much talent, including Trevor Lawrence, it still probably doesn't matter because they have guys just as good replacing them. Um, you know, I, I, I agree with you in that Honestly, to me, even if Georgia loses another game after this, I think they still have the potential to make the playoff. Just because, again, it's Clemson. It's a team that's going to be finishing in the top two. Uh, So you can't tell me that they don't have a a disadvantage. But I think for Georgia, they need to look good in this game, even if they lose. They need to be competitive in order to put themselves back into that Not necessarily the Clemson or the Alabamas, but that like Ohio State, Oklahoma, either LSU or A&M territory where it's like, we're still, you know, a favorite to make the playoff. We may not make it every year, but we're a favorite to at least be in that conversation for it. Yeah. And, um, you know, last year really put them in a bad place and we'll see what happens this year. But I, I, I think it'll be close. I don't think any team will lead by more than two touchdowns in the game. And I do think it'll be like a a game to the wire. I think this game means a lot more though for Clemson just because, you know, if Clemson loses this game, yes, I agree with you that they uh, still have a shot to make the playoff, but it is razor thin. Like they have to win every game. And considering who they face this year, that's not going to be like a top, that's not a a super proposition.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think they're just always going to get the benefit of the doubt because they're Clemson. I know the college football playoff committee says they don't give preferential treatment, but I don't believe it. Um, No,
0: but I think there is a, there is a serious chance that like, let's say they lose this game. If they lose another game and there are two losses and let's say, a and M has one loss, but they're only lost to Alabama. Oklahoma's undefeated, and Ohio State's undefeated. Would you not want to think A and M has a serious shot to get in over that uh, Clemson team, or let's say an undefeated Pac-12 team has
1: over a two-loss Clemson team? Yeah, I mean, sure, if that's the scenario, but I don't know if that's ever going to be the scenario. But I mean, we'll I'm, just, I'm just saying, Obviously, I think two it's losses a lot makes of, it, yeah. Obviously, two Tumasas makes it difficult. I do think that if they win out after losing this game, they're probably it.
0: Oh, they're uh, probably the it, yeah. yeah.
1: So it- I'm interested to see how G- JT Daniels does. I'm not really – I don't know really what to expect. I mean, I liked him at USC, but at the same time, like watching him last year, he really beat the who's who of bad SEC defenses, which are hard to come by, but there are a few. He beat Mississippi State, South Carolina, and Missouri. Uh, his best defense that he played was the bowl game against ten, uh, Cincinnati. Sorry, and Cincinnati's very good defense, so that was his like best game. But at the same time, he didn't blow me away in a lot of those games besides Mississippi State, which might have been the worst defense in the SEC last season. So. I'm interested to see how this plays out because it's kind of like, you know, it's one of those things like Baker Mayfield was being raved about as a rookie as, uh, at the Browns. And then you realize the Browns' six games that he played was like the cupcake schedule of cupcake schedules. And so obviously he looked pretty good. I'm interested to see if JT and Daniels can keep that against a really good team because I think even as good as Georgia's defense is, I think Clemson's offense is going to be awesome. I bet on DJ Ui Agalale to win Heisman this year. I think he's going to have an awesome season. He's looked apart. I mean, you just don't see very many 6'5 quarterbacks who can run like Andrew Luck and throw the ball like any quarterback you've ever seen. So I think DJ Uyunglele is the better quarterback in this matchup still, even with Daniels' experience, and they have guys like Justin Ross. They have the uh, the white kid who was the number one running back last season, Uh, Will Shipley. Uh, so, you know, I think that's who they're going to start at running back. You know, they have playmakers still. I'm not sure if Georgia has the playmakers to match up with this team.
0: Yeah, well, we'll, uh, we'll see. Uh, uh, so again, line is three points for Clemson. I think that's going to be very accurate. I think it's going to be, let's go 38, 35 Clemson.
1: 38-35.
0: I think both offenses will be good.
1: Yeah. Uh, I will go with 21-13 uh, to 13 Clemson. I think they do enough on offense. I think that's going to be a little more low scoring. I think Georgia's is going to want to make this game ugly because that's what Kirby Smart kind of does. Uh, Kirby Smart does not like pace. I think Dewey, DJ Uyangalule is going to have an efficient game. I don't think it's going to be his best game. I still think he's going to do enough to put himself, obviously, like I said, I bet him to win the Heisman. And I think the big player in this game, like I said, is going to be Will Shipley in the backfield, taking over for Travis Etienne, the five-star running back. They've He's basically been to, compared to Christian McCaffrey the last two years. Uh, And I think he has a big game catching balls out of the backfield and also making some nice runs. Uh, I think he has a good game, even as a true freshman stepping into this situation. And then Justin Ross back too. I think he's going to make some big plays. I got Clemson making enough big plays to get to 21. And I just don't know if Georgia without the receivers are going to be able to move the ball like that.
0: I guess uh, finally, uh, before we get onto our quick awards discussion, is there any other game you'd like to mention from this week opening week? Uh, could be ranked, could be not ranked. Uh, you know, a lot of these games are like Coastal Carolina versus the Citadel, which is a 35-point spread. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, or like Arizona State, Southern Utah, which is a 45-point spread. So there's not a lot of close, like, matchups, but.
1: Well, let's see. I got a couple. I'm, I mean, biased here, but I am very excited for the Boise State-UCF game. I think that's going to be a really interesting game. Two really young and heralded quarterbacks that are kind of growing into themselves now, and D- Dylan Gabriel and H- Hank Bachmeyer at Boise State, and also two new head coaches with Gus Malzahn and uh, whoever the hell Boise State hired. I can't remember his name right now. Um, so I think that's going to be a really interesting game because while we think we know what these teams are going to be, we we're not really sure just because of the new coaching staffs and all the changes. But with the talent at their disposal, and especially the two talented quarterbacks, this could be a really fun game. And then also, how does Boise State handle that heat? They're going down to Orlando. It's September 2nd. It's going to be like 90 degrees out with a humidity of 105. How is that team from Boise going to be able to handle that sort of pressure? You know, I think Houston's like a five-point, or UCF's a five-point favorite. And, you know... I could see this being close and Boise State being fine, but I could also see Boise State just start cramping up with the heat and UCF overwhelms them in this game. So I am interested in seeing that one. Um let's see. Do you have any comments on that? I guess. Uh,
0: first of all, it's Andy Avalos. Yeah. Uh former uh player and then defensive coordinator. So yeah, good, good, good coach. The Boise State one UCF one is really interesting to me just because it's kind of Along with Cincinnati, they're probably like two of the top three like uh non-power five programs I want to see over the next five years and how they build themselves. It's it's gonna be interesting to see how like post the Peterson era, how Boise State's fall gets rebounded. Cause they've definitely fallen off of them, like from the contention category, but they're still a pretty good team. Uh and then in terms of UCF, you know, Malzon's come back after a couple of struggling years with Auburn Uh, yeah good uh, good matchup and good matchup between two pretty decent, decent teams. I am really interested in this LSU UCLA game uh, just because again, I think this is the one where I think this could easily be a trap game where UCLA, this reminds me a lot of when A&M went into UCLA and obviously that was the huge comeback win by Josh Rosen and the Bruins. Uh, You know, I think, UCLA did a lot in in week zero to prove to me that they're better than I thought they were. And whether or not that translates into PAC 12 success is another thing, but depending on, I think this is going to be a big game for both Orgeron in terms of what he does for the next couple of years at LSU and then Chip Kelly, at UCLA at the same way. So uh, that's an exciting matchup. I think it'll be a lot closer than some people think it is. Because uh, I know some people who think LSU is just going to blow them out like they probably should. But uh, I think UCLA is a lot scrappier than I think a lot of people are giving them credit for.
1: Yeah, I think that UCLA game is going to be very, very, interesting. I think UCLA is going to be able to run the ball. And, you know, contrary to, I think, popular belief kind of with this uh, team, too, is that, you know, typically you look at these kind of teams that it's a, uh, you know, SEC team against Pac-12. SEC is going to dominate the line of scrimmage. UCLA has a giant offensive line. They're a very good offensive line team, and they're also a very good running team. So I think they're they're going to be able to move the ball on the ground, be explosive in the run game. I don't know if I'm there with DTR. I'm not a Dorian Thompson Robinson guy at quarterback. And even in that Hawaii game, I think he ended the game like 10 of 20 through the air or something stupid like that. So I'm not a big fan of him, and I just, I don't know. Like, he's not going to be able to throw those same balls against Derek Stingley. Derek Stanley could have like a pick six in this game and that flips everything. So that's the interesting thing. I think UCLA is going to be a really interesting team. Cause I think they're capable of actually winning the PAC 12 this year and are kind of flying under the radar, but I also need to see it all put together. And I don't know if I trust Dorian Thompson Robinson and that's the big thing for me. Uh, so yeah, that's how I feel about that. I guess I'll do a couple of rapid fire games that I'm really interested in as I'm going through the list here uh, on Friday, we got, Two games, North Carolina at Virginia Tech. Uh, Massive trap game to start the season for North Carolina. This team coming up with a ton of expectations. This was also a team that made it all the way ranked number five last year. And then when they got ranked in the top five, they lost immediately. So how do they handle this high expectations this season? Sam Howell is a Heisman candidate. I think he should be the number one pick in the draft next year. He's that good of a quarterback. Going to Virginia Tech, that's always a tough place to play. Always a team with some talent, so I think that's going to be interesting. Uh, Michigan State-Northwestern is going to be interesting because it's going to be the worst game of the week. It's going to end like 7-5 to probably, and I can't wait to not watch it and then complain about it. Um, Let's see. Going down the list even further, Stanford and Kansas State, everything I just said about Michigan State-Northwestern, ditto. Um, (laughs) But maybe a little worse just because I'm not a huge Stanford fan at this moment. No, that's a bad program right now. I feel really bad because I like David Shaw as a coach.
0: I think he's really – I think he honestly should have left a couple of years ago. After the McCaffrey uh, tenure, I think he should have left just because he's, I think, again, a very good coach. I just think he's on a program that's lesser than you see some of the other Pac-12 powerhouses.
1: It's kind of like, you know, looking at people complaining about Michigan not being there anymore, and it's like, well, Michigan cares about academics and, you know – not saying that everyone thinks that they get a bunch of like dumb kids, but you know they're gonna have a higher standard of athletics than you know Ohio State and some of these other top recruiting programs. Stanford is obviously another team that has uh, a high standard of athletics, and you know you got to back that up. So I don't know. I think that also affects them. It puts a ceiling on them uh, for the exact opposite reason of those two games. Though West Virginia and Maryland's gonna be two bad teams with really fun offenses. Uh Talia Tenkova for Maryland is a good quarterback. So I think that's going to be an interesting game. Two fun offenses. Uh still going down the list here. Let's see. San Jose State at USC. That's an interesting upset game. I think San Jose State's a really good group of five program. And USC with Clay Helton typically loses games that they should win. So uh this should be an interesting game. I think I think USC is on upset alert there. Uh Let's see. Feel free to jump in whenever.
0: I will say a uh, c- couple of them from an SEC's perspective. Uh, the, the game between Louisville and Old Miss on Monday, I think is a really interesting battle of two power five teams. I still think Old Miss beats them by a good two touchdowns, but it's like of the games we get in between cross-conference, uh, cross, con- cross conference, I think Louisville Old Miss is one that's going to be a lot of fun to see. It's weird that those are the two teams they got for the Chick-fil-A kickoff. Uh, but, um, from, from a homework perspective, you know, Texas A&M will absolutely kill Kent state. That game is going to be so boring. I'm going to love it. Uh, just because when you love a good team, it's great when they can just kill their first opponent. Yeah. Uh, and then from, from a similar perspective, uh, Kentucky UL Monroe, uh, I have always thought of UL Monroe as this like interesting non-power five team. Uh, but yeah, Kentucky will kill them And that's that's always fun
1: Yeah, uh, one more game I guess I'll throw out there And I think this is, this is the game I bet too I think it's a good upset pick Nevada currently is plus 3 Against Cal And they have Carson Strong Who's a trendy first round pick cat guy At quarterback He had 27 touchdowns and I think 4 picks last year He's a very good uh, Thrower um, And I think Nevada can easily go into that game and win it. So I think that's a that's an interesting upset pick for me. I think Nevada can easily win that game and honestly probably should be favored by a couple of points, not the underdogs dogs, even on the road. So Nevada, I'm definitely watching. That'll be the late night game. Um, not an interesting game, but one I'll probably watch because nothing else is on TV at that time. Utah State at Washington State at 1030 just because, uh, yeah, nothing else is on. Um, Pac-12 after dark. Uh, oh, and also Jared Guarantano is on that team. So that could be funny. He's still in the league. He's yeah, still Washington State. <laughs>
0: um, I'll leave off with another one that I think betters should get access to. Uh, right now, uh, Louisiana Tech is uh, or Mississippi State's favorite 23 points over Louisiana Tech. I think if you're a better, you go put your money on Louisiana Tech. I think that game is going to be closer than a lot of people think it is. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a seven-point win. So, yeah, I would bet – I'm not a better. I don't bet at all uh, my games just because I hate losing money. But uh, I would definitely put money on Louisiana Tech to not win the game but cover the 23 yeah. points.
1: I can put my week one bets on here if you want. Honestly, uh, gamble responsibly. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. yeah, which is also like, again, <laughs> I don't gamble mainly because – the thought of losing money is worse than the thought of winning money, which if you're in that same position as I am, either because you're not financially stable enough or you're just like me and you're Scottish and you just don't want to lose money, then don't gamble. But if you do want to gamble, here's our advice.
1: All right. So here are the picks I got. Um, I got UCF minus four and a half on the, I'm on a offshore account. So UCF minus four and a half was the line I think that it should be a little higher. So I, I ended up just taking that one. I think it is uh, higher now. I think it's actually like seven. I think a couple other ones I got in while the line I thought was low. Uh, the first one was Rutgers minus 13 and a half. Rutgers is bad, but Temple is worse. I think Rutgers <laughs> should win that one by 14 points. Uh, and I also took North Carolina minus five and a half. That just, I feel like North Carolina either wins by a lot or Virginia Tech wins by a little. And I'm just betting on what Sam Howell North Carolina wins by a lot. I don't think they win that game by three points.
0: I also just think that uh, Virginia Tech's probably going to struggle to start the year. Yeah. And, you know, if you're going to bet on anyone, bet on Sam Howell and bet on North Carolina to – what was it, 7.5?
1: I have it at minus 5.5. Yeah,
0: if you're going have it at minus 5.5, I would at least bet them to win by a touchdown. I would – yeah, honestly, I would go – depending on what the line is now, I would have it to up to like 10
1: yeah so I honestly so I did that and then I did a 14 parlay which you know parlays are risky but you know sometimes a little risk in life is fun um, so I also put North Carolina money line in that so in that one North Carolina just has to, you get less odds but North Carolina just has to win straight up they don't have to cover the spread. Uh, Michigan state, they were plus three. I picked them on the money line plus plus one thirty-five to beat Northwestern. I'm anti Hunter Johnson. As I said already, I think North Michigan state can beat Northwestern if Hunter Johnson's playing. So I went with that. And then I, I ended up doing this because I got the steel of the century on this line, Ohio state, Minnesota was minus 13 and a half. So I got the two touchdown hook on that one. So I immediately bet Ohio state. Cause I think they can win the national title. I think it's um, and- now like 30. It's a lot higher, I think. No. Yeah. I had minus 13 and a half, though. So that was a steal. And then I also lumped in with that one Missouri minus 13 and a half over uh, Central Michigan. Another one, Missouri solid. I like them, actually. I think that they can actually be the third best team in the SEC East this year. And Central Michigan's bad. They're going to win by more than two touchdowns, too. So that's my parlay of the week, too, is uh, Michigan, State, North Carolina, money lines and then uh Missouri and Ohio state to win by two touchdowns.
0: Yeah, I mean, those are those are good bets. Uh the Missouri one's going to be interesting cuz I I agree with you that I think they could win by a lot, but I also would not be surprised if like they they squeak out a 7-point win and it's like what happened.
1: I will say if I lose that bet because they don't win that game by two touchdowns but everything else covers. I will be very upset. That and again, be,
0: kids. <laughs> that is why you don't gamble, <laughs> or at least you don't gamble that.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I think Missouri solid. I like Connor Blaze. Uh, what is it, Blazenick? And I like Eli Drinkwitz. Obviously, so I think that team that just feels like an eight and four team to me. Honestly, I think that they're going to be better than Tennessee and Kentucky.
0: Again, I don't deny that. But again, when you're talking about like winning a game by two, more than two touchdowns. I agree with you that Ohio State should easily be able to do it. The Missouri one is one where I could easily see them win by 10 points and a late garbage touchdown like puts it at 10.
1: Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, Fun Uh, stuff. uh,
0: As always, my name is Jackson King. And I'm Kyle Grom. And thank you all so much for listening. Thanks and gig them.
1: Peace.